On this week's episode, we practice our vowels with Martha Lady. Can a poor be fancy? Would Higgins have voted for Brexit? And is Rex Harrison a dude? Find out now, you're listening to 24 Flames Per Second. Welcome to 24 Flames Per Second, this is a podcast that roasts the film we love the most, it is, it is, and as always, I'm your host, I am Robert Spiewak, welcome to the show. That's, we're getting into Australia almost there, <laughs> aren't we? Uh, anyways, everybody, <clears throat> excuse me, welcome to the show, uh, everyone, we are, this week, uh, it floated to the top of our of our list this week, welcome to the show, everybody, we are talking about My Fair Lady, from 1964, <laughs> and uh, we're, we're excited to talk about it as our, as our November rolls on, everybody. And so, yeah, apologies. That was probably even worse than Dick Van Dyke's accent in Mary Poppins. Um, so, count it. England, you can count it. Dick Van Dyke, I'll take that burden on for you. Um but uh, but yeah, everybody, welcome to the show. We're excited to uh, excited to have you here. Hopefully, um, your your November's going well. Our horror month is now in our past, and we're uh, we're just chugging along. And so, welcome to the show. We're excited to talk about my fair my fair lady. She is. Um, and so yeah, let's uh, let's dive right into it. Across the table from me this week, the Eliza to my Henry. Casey Rom. Oh, hello. Hi. How's it going? Uh, I am doing loverly today. Ooh. Yes. And is, is Sula's here too? Yeah, she made a noise. She rarely makes noise. I guess she yeah. wanted to be involved. That's okay. <laughs> She's a fair lady. Yes, she is. Um, but uh, but yeah, how's it how's it going? Did you watch the movie this week? Um, I watched the musical sequences this week. Okay. Um, I had actually seen a stage version of this pretty recently, and it's quite long. So oh. I only had so much in me uh, <laughs> so i i just watched all of the songs on youtube nice yeah um cool well with the songs with everything else do you got any fun facts for us oh do i um uh, <laughs> i there is actually a ton of really fun behind the scenes drama associated with this movie uh because it was an adaptation of a stage musical um it was sort of insinuated that they should just cast the people that were already doing it on stage and uh they did with rex harrison yeah but the director did not want to cast julie andrews because he thought that she couldn't lead a movie um she wasn't famous this, in... is, this is like the same year mary Poppins came out oh yes it mm-hmm. is <laughs> and uh Jesus so not only did he cast the infinitely more americanly famous um audrey hepburn but then later decided her singing wasn't up to par and dubbed all of her singing over. With who? uh, Marnie Nixon. Marnie Nixon. Yes. Yes. She did like I believe. Yeah, like ten to fifteen percent of the singing is actually Audrey Hepburn. Um and so that caused another round of drama where Audrey Hepburn said she never would have done it if they didn't let her if they told her that they weren't gonna let her sing. And then uh, Rex Harrison hardly sings. He mostly like talks weird yeah, yeah, cadences yeah. and so um he went on to win 
the Oscar that year for Best Actor, despite not really singing, and Audrey Hepburn was snubbed, didn't get <gasps> nominated, and Julie Andrews won for Mary Poppins. Wow. So there's, I mean, it's it goes even deeper. Like, they should honestly make a movie about the behind-the-scenes drama <laughs> associated with My Fair Lady, because it's fascinating. Interesting. Yeah. Wow. The drama. Hollywood. <laughs> yeah. Can't get anything right. No. 94, 50 years later. Um, well, that's maybe good to know yeah. as we go into arguing about it. <laughs> um, but yeah, thank you. Thank you so much. That's good stuff. Yeah. Um, okay. Let's, uh, let's introduce the panels this week. Starting with the roaster, Seattle cinephile. Find her on Instagram at ZandraC33, Alexandra Calero. Hello. Hi. How's it going? Really, really good. Mm. I'm really excited to be here. Okay. I'm so geared up for this. You were saying someone at work was trying to start a fight over it. Uh, yes, because it was her. It's her favorite movie, and mm. so I was prepping hours ago by arguing with her about this. I think it's awful daring for a three-hour movie to be anyone's favorite movie. Word. It's daring. That's a brave, stunning, and brave stance to take. But uh, I mean, I, I would say like. I have, you know, in my top five, I have a three-hour movie. We'll talk about it on the post-show. <laughs> talk about three-hour movies, and we'll justify their existence on the post-show. Um, but anyways, thank you for being here. It's great thank to, you for great to get me. you back in after, I think you were you were scarce during horror month. Uh, yes. Yeah. I'm not a horror fan. <laughs> Makes sense. Checks out. Um, okay, but, but good. Um, and now, the Defender, this week on the Defending side, actor, director, Higgins Defender. Find him on uh, social media at Chris Quilisi. Chris Quilisi. It just didn't have the ring that I thought it would. <laughs> Higgins Defender. <laughs> so, it's so okay, the though. The worst title somebody could have. Anyway, but thanks for having me. Yeah, it's good to have you here. Yeah, you're saying, you're saying that we only brought you in to be the theater person, and uh, I'm not going to say that is what happened, but... But it's kind of what You also were scared to be horror month. <laughs> but so. I'm also, I'm happy to be The here. horror movies are over, so the yes. same yeah. four fucking people we had on all those shows <laughs> are taking a break, That's and everybody good. else is coming back. Um, but uh, but yeah, it's, uh, it's good to have you here. And so let's start things off, same way we start off every show. Uh, let's get the movie in a minute going. Give us the uh, full plot synopsis of My Fair Lady, spoilers and all. And I'll give you, uh, in less than a minute, I'll give you a three count, and then you're off. Are you ready? I never am, but let's just, <laughs> let's go. Let's do it. Let's get the timer up, and alrighty, we can do it in three, two, one, go. All right, Eliza Doolittle is a lower class a Londonite, uh, and basically one night she runs, she has a run-in with uh, Henry Higgins, who is a... Um, a linguistics professor and sort of expert in the ways he's able to identify a person's origin or where they grew up based off of how they sound linguistically. Uh, there's also another guy there who he meant to meet and also wanted to meet him, Colonel Pickering. And those two linguistics guys make a bet that Eliza, who is like Cockney and who they describe as like having a travesty of an English accent, um, they make a bet that um, Henry can uh, basically take her in for six months and put her off in a court as like a high lady. And so we see the whole process. They make several, uh, there's obstacles and montages. And by the end, she's basically able to pass herself off as uh, a high lady of the court, as a princess of Hungary, actually. Hungary, that is the country. <laughs> and is that the end? That's basically yeah, Okay, great. Didn't you, I didn't get it? to the denouement. Right at the end. That's fine. Right at the end, but I'll count it. The reveal is that she's a Hungarian 
princess, I think, where it turns out she's royalty this whole time. And anyone can speak anyway. <laughs> and not necessarily... Oh, is that the ending that you wish it was? <laughs> like at about two hours? <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, but we'll, we'll count it. We'll count it for the sake of... Let's see, is there what, what else do we need to know? There's a guy, Freddie, who's in the mix mm-hmm. that is in love with her. And From the horse Lots track. of mm-hmm. will-they-won't-they they fun between... Henry well, and Eliza. Yeah. Well, get along, I guess. Will it's they more like he's along? just like, I'm going to stand on this street until you love me. And she yeah. says, I don't oh, I meant, want that. I meant the, the, the Higgins and Eliza Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Getting mad at each other and storming gotcha. out of each other's houses. Um, but but yeah, that's uh, kind of ends where they're just hanging. And he gets her slipper, his slippers, maybe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's... Uh, that is that's the end of the movie. Um, well, g- great, Jorb. We're gonna take a uh, we're gonna take a quick break and we're gonna come back and get your opening statements while you're here defending my fair lady. Everybody, we will be right back. And we're back, everybody. Welcome back to the My Fair Lady episode. Chris Colisi just really it's we're giving him an honorary win to him by, <laughs> moving in a minute by the skin of his teeth i don't want it but uh <laughs> excuse me but uh but yeah so let's uh let's talk about let's get your opening statements why are you here defending my yeah. fair lady well i think the first thing i should say is that again i'm a theater person and this is like a fucking classic it's called um, a thespian uh what thespian i'm a thespian yeah Yes. <laughs> Anyways. Thank you, Robert. <laughs> <laughs> and um, not to say that all classics are bulletproof. Uh, I don't. That wasn't necessarily what I meant. Um, but um, there was a reason that it stuck around for so long. Um, I think my personal reasons for liking it um, as a show is a that it shows uh, like really interesting characters that I don't necessarily think are good people, but that I find I have a really good time watching. Um, this, the music is objectively good. Um, and, uh, it translated, I think really well from stage to screen, which is a hard thing to do. It's also like the only learner and low musical that didn't cut any songs or anything to get to the screen. And it, and it, I felt like it was good. Um, and uh, I think it's also really interesting. I'm going to stake myself on this one. The very end, I actually don't think that Eliza and Henry are together romantically. And you might feel differently than me, um, but there was a recent production on Broadway that also sort of took that stance, saying, like, this isn't a romantic partnership. It's just a partnership. Hmm. And... That to me, and actually watching it this time, I also sort of noticed how they were laying the seeds for that, um, and that it wasn't necessarily like a like codependency or a um, romantic relationship per se. It was a more vague thing where they became used to each other and wanted to rely on each other, etc. Like became fond of each other, hmm. um, which I thought was better than the classic like. They have to fall in love. And like it ends with them kissing and the screen turns into a... a little iris. Will yeah. Be. Yeah. So I liked... Okay. But it didn't end that way. All right. That's just some opening <laughs> shit. There's yeah. some... Here, here's some fish food. And I'll see what sharks 
Come and oh get boy. it. <laughs> um, okay, let's. Um, oh, let's. He left off on characters. Let's start with characters. Yeah. I know that Alexander had. Oh. Oh. Just Henry Higgins just gets mm. under my skin <laughs> to the point that I want to like dig him out with all of the violence that I can <laughs> enact. The man is an atrocious human being, right? He is incredibly misogynistic. Um, and that's represented in at least two songs that he sings. Um, <laughs> at least. <laughs> at least. I mean, there are some other things that go into his ego and his narcissism versus, you know, the songs, uh, what is it? Why Can't a Woman Be More Like a Man? Mm-hmm. And, oh, what was the other one? Um, oh, what's the other one he sings? So I, have, I have it written down here somewhere. I didn't write a list of songs. I didn't write a list of songs like either, but... I know what it is, but I'm not going to say. Oh, boy. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Oh, uh, let a woman in your life. Yes. Don't. Yeah. Right? You never want to so, let a woman in your life, apparently. <laughs> so I think that there are characters like Henry Higgins in other movies that can grow on you and become endearing. Yeah. Because they, you know, there's character growth, there's maturity, there's something that happens where. They get put in a situation. Maybe they lose the their version of Eliza Doolittle. Maybe something happens where they see the error of their ways. At no point does Henry ever see that he is in the wrong at you know in everything that he does. Mm-hmm. He is so caught up in who he is as the greatest linguist there has ever been that he cannot see past his own ego. Yeah. And so I, I can't get on board with him as a character. Like, I could, you know, if there was if there was some remorse for his behavior at the end, some sign of changing and acknowledging that Eliza is a good influence in his life, anything that, you know, could be considered a redeeming quality. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can under, I could maybe get behind him as a flawed character who is making steps towards improvement. But the fact that he sings his final song is I've grown accustomed to your face, which is like, I've gotten used to you and, you know, I, I have my comfort zone and that's why I want you back. Um, and then when she shows up, he doesn't change his behavior at all. He like, you know, cockily puts his feet up on his chair and mm-hmm. tips his hat over his face and like, where are my slippers? Like, this is a man who hasn't learned anything. He yeah. hasn't grown as a human being. You know, he doesn't deserve any sort of praise. Yeah. I, I agree with you for the most part on who he is as a person. And and I totally understand you not wanting to uh, relate to him in any way or appreciate him. Um, but I think what the reason that I'm able to let some of that go, other than being a, a man myself and just acknowledging that, uh, the fact that some of that just doesn't bother me as much as it ever will, a, a person who is not a man. Um, I want to also look at the fact, the fact that we're looking at 19, aught, 19 teens, I think is the... When this takes place. Yeah, 19 teens sensibilities probably. through the lens of the 1960s. Uh, probably actually the 50s, really. Um and how uh, I agree that he is misogynist. I agree that he is like unabashedly a horrible human. But that's why I like watching him. <laughs> I like watching him be like, <laughs> I mean, it's like, it's what it is. 
it, it's almost borders like xenophobia because he's talking in the beginning about how like why can't people speak English? You know what I mean? But <laughs> and how they should all be killed if they and don't they do should it all correctly. Be completely murdered. But but I also like think back to it's sort of like that poem that I can't remember who wrote it. It might have been Oscar Wilde actually. There was an Irish guy who wrote a poem about how the overpopulation. It wasn't a poem, it was an essay about how overpopulation could be solved if we just ate all the homeless children. Right? <laughs> we, would, Wait, we, would end, we would end hunger and overpopulation at the same time. Oh. If we just it's, ate it's like a satirical. Oh, okay. And yeah. I, that's how I view Henry Higgins is this idea of like men, and, and, and you know, you can tell me if you think that maybe I'm letting it off the hook a little bit here, but I do feel like it's like satirical character. Um, people who are watching this in the 60s even, and hopefully now, uh, understand that he is to an extreme. Um, and I do think that he, I think, that's sort of the genius of the character to me is that when he says, I've grown accustomed to your face, like, that's his version of, like, begging. Do you know what I mean? Like, he has gone from, like, murder the people who can't speak English correctly <laughs> to, like... I'm actually fond of someone. What a softie. I can admit that to myself alone <laughs> in a song. Uh, to me, is growth. It's not acceptable growth, but it's growth. <laughs> and I think um, I think I have such fun watching it because I'm like, I, I he's so far in the extreme that I'm allowed to sort of let go of a realistic interpretation. You know, like... Part of, part of the reason that, that I think the whole thing works for me, and I meant to say this in my opening arguments, but is that there's so much theater magic in it. There's so much theater magic. You're, I was watching the movie and I was trying to think, like, so what time is it supposed to be? Is it, like, 5 a.m., 6, 6 a.m.? Like, I was trying to understand. I was like, oh, it doesn't fucking matter because, like, the story is just going to happen and I can, like, let go of some realism. Um, anyway, I said a lot of things. But. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, I can appreciate, especially the, the idea behind, well, it's, you know, 19-teens through the lens of 1960s, but there are people in that movie that don't treat Eliza like shit. There are men in that movie that don't treat her like yeah. shit. Yeah. You know, Colonel Pickering, you know, has the decency at times to go, well, what is your plan after this? I mean, he does get caught up in the bet, yeah. and he does get caught up in the idea of, you know, he and Higgins taking the credit for all the work that Eliza does yeah. and not acknowledging that if she didn't put the work in, yeah. they can't gloat about how like good they are. Higgins right, yeah, yes. Totally. But he still has time, you know, he still stops at times and goes, well, what, what about the girl? Mm -hmm. What happens afterwards? What There's are we doing with... Yeah. There's a shred <laughs> of compassion, right? You know, the the father does occasionally take advantage of his daughter, which is not great, but, you know, there is a modicum of decency and respect in the way he does that because he's, you know, a man-child, right? And then, you know, there's Freddie. Freddie sees this woman and finds her intriguing, and, you know, she's nothing like he's ever encountered, and he would have every right to impose... I, you know, air quotes, right, to impose his, you know, moralistic standards of women on her and, you know, be like, I am entitled to you because I am rich. Mm -hmm. And he doesn't, you know, he just fawns over her, but he, you know, treats her with, he's and, respectful mm -hmm. of her. He, um, you know, 
wants, you know, he wants a relationship with her, but he doesn't press the issue like I am entitled to the thing, these things, the way, you know, Higgins does. The mm-hmm. I am entitled to, you know, you waiting on me hand and foot. She tells him when she leaves, you need to tell somebody that you want coffee in the morning. I won't be here. <laughs> and he gets in the fun in the morning and went, where's my coffee? I had I tea. Had tea. <laughs> What's going on? Where's Eliza? I mean, he's so like caught up in his own ego that he couldn't even hear her when she's like, I'm fucking going. Yeah. Well, and that's, it's really interesting. I think that Henry and Freddie are like complete opposites, you know, and, and that's what it's supposed to be. It's like you have the the classic miser, the like el- like well he's not like old in this movie, but he's like definitely like middle age to he's slightly older. He's significantly older than her in right. in, in, re- in reality. In real- <laughs> but also also within the context yeah. of the story when she's supposed to be like 19. 19. Yeah, it's pretty bad. Yeah. Um I think that he's like significantly older and he's supposed to be the miser character that's like you know, I mean, traditionally it's centered around money. Like he doesn't let anyone spend his money, and that's the thing he cares about most. I think in this particular version, it's his craft. And I think with Freddie, it's like he's the young lover who who will throw anything away to be in love. But that's the thing, though. I think that even if I were to agree with you that Freddie is like a much better man because he respects her, which he does. I still wouldn't think he was a better match for her because I think that Eliza is like this stubborn stubborn woman who comes in and wants to butt heads with someone like uh, it seems like with her sense of community that we see in the beginning of the play. Uh, it's called the play. A movie. <laughs> it's a film. Um, she really has a sense of community. Um, with the folks who are in similar lots as her. And, um, but I also see like a passive sadness and then she sort of engages with someone and like this fire comes in, like right away. She's like, I love it every time she says, I'm a good girl. I am. (laughs) Um, and yeah, I just, I feel like she comes in like throwing fire at him and he is the maybe the first person to not just dismiss her and that he actually engages with her and says like and like engages in a battle of wits um to a degree um i also think that what a fucking brilliant comment on classism because she is you know the theory of it is that she's content in the lower class, right? She's wanting for more material goods. She's wanting for more. And he offers her the opportunity to come up. And then by the time she's, like, transformed, she realizes, like, that's maybe this isn't what I wanted. I, like, and I think it's such brilliant commentary on how, like, she goes from one prison to another. And, like, how – I just thought that was – I just loved it. I was watching it the other night, and I was like, wow, this is actually saying something about, like, British classism in the early 20th, 20th century. And how, like, she goes from having the cage of no income, essentially, to, like, the cage of gender roles. And how she's, like you mentioned, like, property. Um, I, sorry, I just I wanted to bring that up because I fucking love it. I fucking love that part of this show. Um, I mean, you know, I, <laughs> uh, 
Oh man. Let me have it. Oh man. I mean, I you know, I can I can understand that argument, you know, but I think that she could find that community, you know, without the essentially emotionally abusive relationship she lets herself into with yeah. this man. Whether or not they end up together romantically, by going back to him, <laughs> even to be his assistant or to be, you know, however he views her as his equal. I mean, there's no way this man is like, I will put you on equal footing in yeah. my, you know, profession or, you know, whatever we decide to do within this house. He, you know, she will never be on the same footing as him because he will never be able to allow it. Um, she is, to she comes off to me as kind of a classic, you know, abuse victim um, you know, in this case, it's emotional and verbal abuse. And she, you know, she does get cornered into a situation where she can't get out of in the sense of she goes from the prison of poverty to the prison of gender roles. But the thing is, it's not just the prison of gender roles that she gets lumped into the, you know, the fact that, uh, oh my God, I forgot his name, Colonel Pickering. Yeah. You know, Colonel Pickering and Higgins, who make this bet and are so caught up in their skill, don't think in the long term of, you know, we're going to give her the skills to speak, but we're not going to give her any training on how to behave in society. So we're not going to teach her any other skills. Mm -hmm. And now we've made her too good for where she comes from. But she's not necessarily good enough to fit into society. She's like an in-between. She's an in-between. And yeah. so, you know, she gets pigeonholed into things that are out of her control because these men who've decided to play with her like a puppet, you know, have not thought this through. They've literally just been like, let's just do what we can because we can and, you know, fuck it at the end. You know, yeah. they literally talk about her throwing her back into the gutter when they're done with her. Do you think that's bad writing? <laughs> oh, <laughs> I'm just saying, like, I mean, it sounds really interesting to me. Like, <laughs> speaking of good or bad writing, yeah. I would love uh -oh. to hear uh, your thoughts on the song, since it is yeah. a musical, and I feel yeah. like that's a huge piece of this this film. Well, obviously, I think, like, music on Broadway and in general has just evolved fucking every decade. It's, like, exponential, you know? Um, so the, I personally like more current Broadway music. That's just my taste. Some people really fucking love this and like anything goes and etc. Oklahoma. People love Oklahoma. <laughs> there are people out there that love that musical. <laughs> I don't. Hint. Um, uh, so I'd say like some of it, it's maybe for me, it's nostalgia, um, it's like watching Sound of Music and knowing that there's problems, but having the music, like music does something that even films or theater or, or just spoken word can't do, which is sort of access a part of me that just like spreads warmth. Um, uh, part of that is like, uh, if you hear I could have danced all night and you don't want to get up and dance, I'm like confused by that because like to me it just like hits you and you're like ah oh, i want to sweep around the room and mm, take books off shelves and throw them <laughs> and like um and and it's weird but i've grown accustomed to her face is like even if you took the words out maybe for you <laughs> but like the melody the melody of it is like it's like a it's it, especially for a man in the 19 teens having a moment where he let himself be vulnerable even to himself was probably really rare 
And so to have to like put music to it, you're you're just like, I don't know. It's like it's almost like this. You feel this attitude of like, oh fuck, man. Like weakness <laughs> in my armor. You know what I mean? Um, so yeah, I I don't think it's like it's definitely hasn't kept up. But I do think it's like, it's the reason that a lot of other musicals exist. And I think it is like a really big step in the evolution of Broadway. Yeah. I have some issue with the music. Mostly my issue with it is for a three hour movie, I expect every time you break into song for it to move the plot forward Mm -hmm. in some manner. And a lot of it doesn't. A lot of it is just, it feels like let's put this current emotion, Mm -hmm. you know, to music. Well, you know, that's fine, but maybe it doesn't need to be a full three, three and a half minute song. Yeah. You know, so there are times where, you know, I, I, you know, I should have written down all the, every single song and, you know, my reaction to it, but there, (laughs) there were, (laughs) there were, there were songs, I mean, (laughs) there were songs that it's like, yes, they, you know, the music is lovely and the, the lyrics work and everything, but it's like, you you're going to break in a song. It's going to just be this one moment in time, mm-hmm. but it has no, no momentum through yeah. the story. It doesn't do, yeah, it doesn't yeah. do anything. Yeah. You know, there are songs like, for example, uh, the one that comes to mind, show me after, you know, Freddie declares his show love to her. Yeah. yeah. And she goes on her whole rant about, don't just keep saying these things, you know, show me how you feel. Well, that moved, that to me does move the plot forward because it's her kind of standing up and saying, wait, I'm done with people talking. Yeah. Right. But those moments feel few, you know, few and far between to me. Yeah. Um, well, I think it's, it's just a, it's a, I guess I should call it a symptom or a, a sort of a motif of Broadway at the time, which is that music wasn't created to move the action forward. It was actually created, um, and maybe you've heard this before, but the idea that um, when a character feels so much that they can't say it, they sing it. It's like feeling something to an extreme, and that's why it comes out in song. That's how you like justify the like the monologuing through music, and. Um, like Rodgers and Hammerstein, Lerner and Lowe, um, all, all of the main musical writers of the time weren't really worried about action moving forward. And it's sort of the same thing with the three-hour runtime, right? That it's like people went to the theater and they had one or two intermissions, and that was a whole evening in the theater. So the fact that it's a film that we had to sit through <laughs> for three hours, <laughs> it's different than it was originally intentioned. And, and I think that's okay. Like That's just one of the things that happens when you translate to screen. And, um, but as far as the music goes, I think like, I actually don't remember at what point they figured out, wow, this moves a lot faster if we like make action happen during the song. Maybe it was like, uh, eighties maybe. Cause I know mm. Phantom of the Opera has a lot of action during the, m- the music and, um, and maybe hair too. So maybe even the seventies, but, mm. um, during this period, it was just, a, it was just a taking a single thought or emotion or moment between characters and expanding it to a three minute song. So it inevitably adds duration and I can't, I can't really justify <laughs> that. It's just sort of a, uh, what we might consider a defect of the art form at the time. Um, yeah. Did you like how it sounded though? <laughs> Was yeah, it catchy? I mean, so, yes. I, yes. <laughs> I will give you that there are a number of songs that are incredibly catchy in the movie, you know, 
Show Me, um, actually Show Me is one of the only songs you really that liked? I... <laughs> you don't even want to say you like one song <laughs> come on give me something um i yes i like show me uh, it's actually i will say show me is the only song when i watch the movie that i can go i i can picture julie andrews doing this mm-hmm. that's the only one that really feels like a julie <sighs> andrews thing yeah. to me yeah um, so I do wonder what it would have been like to see her in the story, you know. You should, maybe this is more post-show, but <laughs> you should listen to the original Broadway cast with mm-hmm. Julie Andrews. Because I'm not going to lie, I probably would have loved this movie even more if Julie Andrews was Eliza. Yeah, I'm curious, Chris, to hear how you feel about the fact that Henry Higgins doesn't even really sing. Like, yeah. He mostly, like kind of talks with rhythm well it's interesting because like if you see productions now like uh henry higgins could just sing it you know Mm -hmm. they usually i mean most people have the chops to do both um but i think and i'm maybe i'm talking out of my ass here but i think that rex harrison originally the role on broadway and also the film and they sort of wrote it for him in a way that as like a linguist he wouldn't be a musical or like largely creative person. Like even his singing would be something more measured and more um, rhythmic than melodic. Whereas like Eliza is the exact opposite where she would sing like flowing melodies and not be so and like rote. Does that make sense? Yeah. So I, I feel like that's an excuse they gave to the fact that Rex Harrison can't sing. No, yeah. you really can't sing. That's very the well. thing. Yeah. Is you can't sing. So I mean, yeah. it just it seems that that to me seems more like. Um, there's a phrase from a TV show. I'm gonna break out. Uh, <laughs> Post hoc ergo propter hoc. It basically means we're gonna come up with an excuse after the fact. Yeah. 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 So it's like, okay, Rex Harrison can't sing, and therefore we're going to be like, oh, no, no, we did this on, on purpose because mm, yeah. Henry Higgins wouldn't, you know, Henry yeah. Higgins wouldn't well, sing. It's, and it's like, it's a musical. It's one of those if things. If you want me you know? to suspend my disbelief about the breaking <laughs> in the song and all the other bullshit that goes on in this movie, yeah. why not have him sing? I mean, I what's know. wrong with having him sing? It's I kind mean, of a happy <laughs> accident to me because it's like, it's the idea that, like, you find this person who's, just fucking perfect for the role of Henry Higgins. Because to me, he is. He puts on a brilliant Henry Higgins. As much as you hate the character, <laughs> Rex Harrison is a dude. And, um, and like when you have a, when you're casting someone and you're like, oh, like, nah, but he can't really sing, but, but he's perfect. All right, you know what? Uh, there's a saying that like I learned when I was in college about directing and casting, and that's that you. You change the production, or in this case the film, you change the production to fit the cast. It's not the other way around because you can't mold the actor to be like a square piece in a round hole. Like, or sorry, you can't take a square piece and make it round to put in the round hole. You have to make the whole square for the piece. And I think that's just another one of those things. Like, you might be right, but at the same time, like if I was casting it and Rex Harrison was my option, and I was like. This guy is fucking, this, he is Henry Higgins. We just got to make it work for him. You know what I mean? And like, and to make a choice that's like, well, you know, he probably wouldn't be a beautiful singer. You know what I mean? <laughs> I'm just talking in circles. <laughs> but okay. 
Okay, so like going into that though, I mean, so he doesn't do his own, or he he doesn't sing, I should say. Audrey Hepburn doesn't do her own singing. Freddie doesn't do his own singing. I think the only person who actually does their own singing is her father. Yeah. Like, Who's brilliant, by the way. That dude's how, I fucking mean, funny. Like, how, why? Why would you do, I mean, if you have people who can sing, mm-hmm. you know, and you're talking about, you know, fitting the part to the person and not the person to the part, then why not, you know, adjust the music or do the, you know, take whatever steps you need to put that person. Yeah in and have them do what we know they are capable of doing. Yeah. I mean, I just don't, I don't think those things were as important back then. I don't think when they were, they wanted Audrey Hepburn. They didn't, it didn't really matter that she couldn't sing very well. They she were like, can. We want... That's the thing. Well, I mean, She yeah, just can't sorry. hit those to notes. To the director's All level, they have to do is change them. We'll just say we'll question the director's decision making on that one particular one. <laughs> um, but I do think, I, it just doesn't seem, it seems like they were going for the character rather than the ability to sing. You know what I mean? Mm. When they were casting it, it was more important that the person represent the character than actually be able to sing all the tunes. Even though it's a musical, it's like, this is also one of the, it's not like an opera. You know, they're talking for like 60 or more percent of the movie and then singing for the rest. So I think it's more important that they cast someone who can be the character than someone who's a beautiful singer. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> you just totally disagree. <laughs> 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 We've about reached time to unmask. Nice. Um, and so, yeah, let's uh, let's talk about how we really feel. Um, Chris, wait. Can we you. first? Can we just say also what funny com- jokes about new moralism with the whole dad thing? Because we didn't oh. even get to talk about Eliza's oh, dad. His, his five pounds. No, don't give me ten <laughs> yeah, pounds. Don't give me ten. And then he gets the like hella money, and he's like, "Now I'm locked in a new prison." Or something. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, 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 yeah. How do I really feel? Mm-hmm. It's complicated. Yeah. <laughs> I don't necessarily like. I actually didn't like this musical for a long time. I really, mm. I didn't enjoy it. Um, as a kid, uh, I just thought it was stuffy and old. But rewatching it this time, actually, I saw a lot of the nuances that I think. I didn't see before. And I think, I mean, it's like any other thing that we've talked about on the show that's um, more than five years old. (laughs) You know, where it's like, yeah, I mean, I recognize how it was really important in that time and led to blank, blank, blank. But if it came out today, it would not, it would probably bomb at the box office. Um, That said, if they ever made a new, if they made a remake of it, Gender swap. We do have Pretty Woman. We do have Pretty Woman. That's true. I haven't really watched that in a long time, though. Oh. I think you would need, uh, yeah, you would need the, the woman to be the fancy person and yeah. the yeah. man to be the one being trained. Didn't Lifetime make a, I Lady swear, the like, is come, Hallmark the, the did. The real dog's Lady in <laughs> the, the Tramp is coming in. <laughs> I'm just thinking, I mean, that's like, actually kind of uh, in the same line as what I was thinking. Because they did that big remount on Broadway. Um, I think we were at the Lincoln Center of My Fair Lady it was the same script and everything, but they like re envisioned the ending, and it made mm. people. It, it definitely helped shift it to a more like feminist. Uh, I shouldn't say feminist leaning, but something that modern day people can be a little happier with. A little more and I wondered if maybe. they were to make a remake, if they could make a few changes, it would be a decent movie. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah, interesting. And if they like remastered the fucking score, 
because it is definitely a 1950s, <laughs> 60s Broadway musical. That's how I feel. Yeah. Alexandra? Uh... I think it's incredibly flawed. It has <laughs> so many problems, so many things that just drive me fucking crazy, and I absolutely love it. I just, <laughs> it's, 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 the music is so good. Yeah. The music is so good. Oh, the songs really are so you catchy. <laughs> you know, um, the costumes. I mean, it is, like you were saying, it is very much of its time. It's of its time representing another time. Yeah. And, you know, it falls into that umbrella of doesn't necessarily age well. You know, but there, there just there is so much to like about it when it comes to just the idea of, you know, somebody taking advantage of an opportunity and not running from it. I mean, she gets presented with this opportunity without even realizing she gets presented with the opportunity. If you think about it, you know, it's an offhand comment, and she's like, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna grab hold of this offhand comment that yeah. this guy makes." Yeah, and it's her, you know, taking charge of her life. She's not a passive participant in her life like so many women are yeah. in movies of that time or movies of the you know the time frame in which it's set and yeah. i have a i have a lot of respect for it despite my issues <laughs> with it <laughs> casey um yeah i feel the way about this movie that i feel about most uh filmed versions of broadway musicals yeah. which is um better on Broadway or on yep. stage, oh, yeah. um, 45 minutes to an hour too long. <laughs> I will definitely but, agree to that yeah. one. It is like... um, but having, like I said, I saw it fairly recently on stage, and it's it, like totally entertaining. Where did you and, see it? I was going to ask you. Um, I saw it at a local theater in Chelan, like the, the Chelan Valley Players is what they're called. How was um, it? It was good. I mean, they're like it's just like a community theater, but... It was their um, best singer, Freddie. It's usually that way in community theaters. Yes, the best and then um, Eliza. <laughs> and Eliza. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was just like, I hadn't seen it in a really long time until then, and I was like fully in it the entire time. And then like the thought of sitting down and watching the movie after that, I was just like, no, oh, I'm good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just going to watch the songs. The guy who plays Alfred, though, in the movie. Yeah. He was a great actor. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I hadn't watched this in a really long time, and I did not remember how long it was. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, I agree that it's probably like an hour too long, uh, which is like, which is rough for like, that's a third of the movie could probably come out and everything would still probably make sense. Um, so, but, but that being said, I think there are some really, like, I agree with you that like. Rex Harrison is a very good Henry Higgins, but he's like the villain of the movie. You know what I mean? Like, you're not supposed to like him. No. It's supposed to be horrible, and you're supposed to feel the way Eliza feels, where she's like, why are you doing this to me? (laughs) Um, I love the rain in Spain when she's like, I can't! And it's like the most dramatic, whiny little baby voice. (laughs) Yeah, and so I, I think it's of its time. I think it hasn't aged well. And my this is... Probably even now after Pretty Woman came out in the 90s, like probably overdue, like time to remake this again now, flip the genders, make it very good, Mm -hmm. and with not as much music probably or yeah. some some or diff, slightly different people like mo- people like music in movies. I think you could update it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, or there's like some. Somehow, some Disney Channel slant to take with it, where it's teenagers. I don't know. I'd watch that too. A teacher and a 
<laughs> teacher and a student. That, uh, I don't know, not with it, but without the romance yeah. part. I mean, don't you agree that if we can, if we can all agree that it's not like a romantic ending, it does help your factor just a little. Yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and I mean, there's nothing inherently romantic between them other right. than I could have danced with him all night. Yeah. Even the end, they're just like, we are friends. Thumbs up. <laughs> Thumbs up. Yeah, they're just like, I'm High back. High are cool. They never kiss. Yeah. 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 And there's no even like, sometimes there's like weird close quarters like, oh, sorry. Yeah. I yeah. You, but that doesn't <laughs> the even happen. The hand lingers so, too long. Yeah, yeah. Hand. But yeah. That, none of that really happens. He's very much just like, just speak better. Like, <laughs> he, he's, it's a very teacher-student relationship, yeah. I think, and not romantic. So, Yeah. I think it's good. I think it's fine. But it's too long. <laughs> it's so weird because I really have no with problem th- with the length. And I don't know why that it, why all three of you had such a strong I'm actually very I excited to talk about justifying the three existence hour, of three-hour three movies. movies in the post-show. <laughs> yeah, I want that to be our it's, focus. That, I mean, this is the same. At the time, they were doing two, two three-hour, three, four-hour movies at the other, like the, the epics, the yeah. Ben-Hur, your Lawrence of Arabia, like... That was, this is when that was happening, too. So that's probably where they were just like, yeah, a musical movie can be well, three sure. hours. I, yeah. I would imagine part of it is also, and we can get into it in the post-show, the idea that movies were having to compete with theater. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. You know. People compared that, those nights out yeah. to each other. And now yeah. I think very different, but we can talk about it in the post-show, everybody. <laughs> Speaking of, our extended play post-show is available to you. If you want to help support our show over on our Patreon at patreon.com slash 24flamespod, you can do so, and you can get a bunch of other fun stuff while you're at it. Our drink-alongs, our hot takes, one of which I believe is coming up this weekend. Uh, We don't know what movie yet because we're in the past right now, but maybe... We're in the past. I forgot what movies I mentioned. I have no idea. Zombieland opens for, this weekend? Oh, this Jojo is, no, Rabbit? Yeah, we're in the no? future. We're a month we're, in the future okay. when this comes out. Like, what uh, comes out in November? Ford, <laughs> v, Ford v. Ferrari, maybe? Oh. Uh, the other one that Almost said, Star Wars. Charlie's Angels. <laughs> Still a month away from new Star Wars. Um, but, but yeah, everybody, and that's uh, you can go check all that stuff out on our Patreon. If you think... We need to know what you know about My Fair Lady. You can email us at 24flamespod at gmail.com. You can uh, reach out to us on our social media at 24flamespod. And wherever you listen to podcasts, go leave a rating, a review, subscribe so you can stay with us. Speaking of which, i got to look up what's coming up next. Um, but, but yeah, we really appreciate it. Um, the reviews and things help more people find the show and help us get feedback so we can make our show better. Yeah. Um, People outside making noise, um, but but yeah, everybody. So we uh, we thank you so much for listening. Uh, next week, ooh, we're coming to Disney again. We're talking about Frozen because oh, Frozen boy. Two is on the way. I've never and, seen that. Ooh, well, maybe watch it and come back and listen to the show. <laughs> um, but uh, but but yeah, yeah, Disney Plus will be out by then. Mm. So <gasps> that's the big release. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, everybody, we will uh, we'll catch you for next week's episode. Do I say anything else at the end of the show? I don't think I do. Plugs. Oh, plugs. Yes, Chris, you're in a show. Okay, cool. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, I am in a show called Violet's Attic, a grand ball for wicked dolls. And um, it, we're on a nine-week run, and by the time this comes out, we're going to be in the second-to-last week. So that's pretty cool. Um, you should come see it. It's at you can check out details at cafenordo.com. That's c a f e n o r d o.com. Yeah. 
and I'm going to be a big My Buddy doll who rips out his own stuffing. Oh, <gasps> spoilers. That's the first thing that happens. Oh, <laughs> <okay>. <laughs> it's fine. I saw photos. It's a little, it's it a little twisted, y'all. It looks, it's, yeah, a little, little creepy. It's a little bit, like, it's actually really fucking funny. It's like, <laughs> it's, 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 at times it's a literal and metaphorical combo of um, Pulp Fiction and Wizard of Oz. Whoa. Ooh. Wow, wow, wow. Sold. Gotta go now. <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah, uh, everybody go check it out and uh, come back for next week and we will uh, we'll catch you then, everybody. Thank you for listening. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Fish media. Yeah.